Thank you for tuning in with us at Bayou City Fellowship Tomball, a community that's radically focused on Jesus. Advent is a season for reflective preparation to celebrate the coming of Jesus. During this season, we desire to grow as followers and disciples of the light of the world. Join us for this week's lesson as we learn and pray to be more like Christ. Amen, amen, and have a seat, have a seat. Wow, can we just praise the Lord as we sit down? Wow, 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 wow. Um, gosh, I don't know about y'all, I'm, I, was, I was tearing up singing that last chorus. Thank you so much, team, for leading us so, so very well. Uh, it is Christmas Eve, can you believe it? Oh man, uh, if you don't have the last minute presents that you need for your family, um, you can print out Amazon gifts uh, just that little piece of paper, put it in a bag and say, your present is coming. Uh, but good news, uh, the greatest gift that the world could ever receive has been given and can be received today. And that's the person of Jesus Christ. Um, if you have a Bible, we're going to be looking in Luke chapter 2. It is a familiar story to you, but I hope we can see it with some new lens this evening or this afternoon. Let me read a little bit for us and then we will launch in. Luke chapter two, starting in verse one says this. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration while when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went from Galilee from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you to celebrate this amazing moment when the divine broke into human history, when divinity clothed himself with humanity and stepped into um, the most vulnerable position, that of a baby. And Lord, I pray that as we open up your word, you would open up our hearts, that we might see you afresh for who you are. And Lord, that this Christmas would be a Christmas to remember. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you were to come to uh, um, the America, like from another country or maybe from a distant planet, you were an alien, okay, just making up stuff. But if you were to come to America and you were asked the question, what is this Christmas thing about? Like, what, what is the, the purpose of Christmas? And there's a lot of different ways you can find out that answer. One of them would be go, to go to our movies and our films. Um, and that's what we did as a family this year. We went to movies to learn about the Christmas story. And so we watched some from our childhood and some from more recent. Uh, we watched um, Elf, which was so good. We watched The Grinch. 
Uh, we watched Home Alone 1 and 2. I don't remember 2, but we had watched it as a family. And we tried to watch some of Scrooge, but uh, the ghosts were too terrifying, and so we didn't make our way all the way through that one. And so, but if you're asked the question, what is the purpose of Christmas? You would say, okay, well, maybe the films are going to tell us something. Or uh, maybe you would just go to the, the shopping ventures. Maybe you'd go to the malls. Maybe you'd go to Amazon. You'd say, what is Christmas about? And it, you would say, it is about gifts. And actually, that is part of what Christmas is about. So actually, I have a few gifts, but I need four people, four young people that might want a present uh, today. And so I, and I would just, I would just tell, okay, why don't you come forward, bud? All right, you, have, you can have one of the gifts. Um, all right, this sweet girl right back here with the red. Yep, 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 come on, come on forward. Why don't you come right here, actually, right here, right here. Uh, perfect, perfect, y'all gonna stand right here. This is good, this is where you, people were singing before. Awesome. Um, y'all are so, y'all are so cute. Okay, I'm gonna have uh, you, sweetie, would you come forward right here? Yeah, sorry, I'm sorry, we just, just one, and because I only have four. Uh, and then one more gift, okay, uh, one more boy, is this a little boy? It's hard for me to see who's up. Okay, this little hand that went right up, right back. Yeah, yeah, come forward, come forward. Yeah, come on forward, come on forward, come forward. Make your way out. Um, and if you were to ask the question, what is Christmas about? If you are under the age of 10, which is most of you uh, that are up here, uh, what would you say it's about? And you would maybe, some of you might say it is about the presence. And, and here's the problem for you, your age, as you've been watching your mom and dad wrap presents, maybe your dad's not wrapping presents, but as you've been watching presents get under the tree, what is the hardest part about that? Not getting to open them, waiting. And so we're not going to do that tonight. We're going to open them right now. So go for it. Open the presents. Give them a hand as they open up these Christmas presents. First. Oh, sweet, sweet, sweet. Oh, looks so cute. We got some Star Wars stuff. We got stuffy. And we have uh, one last thing, Junior, easy to build. All right, give those kids a hand as they get a present. So, all right, y'all can head back to your seats. Wonderful, great job, great job little present for you. Merry, Merry Christmas right there. Trash is perfect right there. <laughs> That's why we have that space there. It's for the trash. You clean it up when you're done playing with the presents. That's what is. For some of you, that's what Christmas is going to look like for you tomorrow. It's that day when you get up and you open up all the presents and ever, all the wrapping is everywhere. And, and for, for many of us, as we look at the movies and we look at the presents, for some of us, I, I feel like sometimes for some of us, we miss the heart of Christmas, the meaning of Christmas. But in the gifts and in the movies, there's hints about what the story is really about. Um, as I reflected upon the movies that we were watching over this time, uh, we watched Elf. And, and if there's one kind of central theme of that movie, Elf, it's, it's not the goofiness, although that is part of it. It's, but it's the finding of the family. Um, if I look at the Grinch, it's the, 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 the story of the Grinch is kind of this feeling of rejection and isolation, but being invited into a family. And as I look at Scrooge, the, the kind of theme that pulls out of there that stuck with me is that that person that was closed off, that had a closed heart that was needed to be opened back up or home alone. Um, it's about fighting. It's about raising kids. Uh, and it's about reunion. It's about coming back together. And as I look at those themes throughout those movies, I say in, in each one of those, there's, there's some small story that's pointing to a larger story. There's little hints 
pointing to a greater story. And this the greater story that I want to focus on this evening. It's not these little stories that are, that are pointing to something greater. It's actually the greatest story ever told. The story of Jesus coming to earth and, and the fact that those who are rejected can be accepted. That those who have closed hearts could have their hearts opened up and those that are fighting in relational tension, that there could be peace that reigns. That actually is the story. And as we look at the story, it's a story of contradictions. Uh, we're going we're gonna to see someone who is in, in, in high, in power, that is kind of overlooked. And we're going to see people that are often overlooked, raised into prominence. There's lots of reversals. And so... Luke, as he is writing his account of the birth of Jesus, really, as you look at it, it's like three scenes of a movie. As we look at the scene of the throne room of Caesar, we look at the scene of a, of a small, impoverished couple, and we look at the scene of some shepherds. And it's through those three scenes that we're going to see three great principles of what Christmas is really about. The first scene is that in Caesar's palace and the question that this part of the story answers is this who's in control who's in control of world history who's in control of everything here's what it says in the gospel of Luke verse 1 it says in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered this was the first registration while Quirinius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered each to his own town if you were a journalist around 4 BC, all eyes would not be focused on a small couple in a rural village. They would actually be focused on this central figure. And that's why Luke starts with this central figure. It's Caesar. Now, who was Caesar? Well, his name actually wasn't even Caesar. He was actually the nephew of Julius Caesar. His name was Gaius Octavius, and he was from a prosperous family outside of Rome. And through a series of, of political intrigue and through war and through murder, he rose to power and prominence. Around 44 BCE, his uncle was, uh, 40, 42 BCE, his uncle was determined and declared to be a god. And because Octavius was his nephew, he had power and prestige. In fact, later in his life, he too would be worshipped as a god. He reigned from 31 BC to around 14 AD, and he was given the title Augustus, which means majestic one. He made peace in the world. In fact, there had been a civil war in Rome, and when he moved to prominence and a position of power, he moved peace all through this region, through the edge of a sword. He was one of the most successful leaders in Rome. And it says that all the world went to be registered. And because literally it was all of the known world that was ruled by this one individual. I'm gonna show you a map to see the known world. You wanted a geography lesson? Well, here you go. I didn't want you to leave without anything. Um, you see that his kingdom stretched all the way at this point in time, just south of Great Britain, by the, all the way to Spain, uh, including Italy, all across the Mediterranean, all the way over to Jerusalem to the right, and all of North Africa. This was, there was over 55 million people that were ruled by this one individual in this known world. And it says of, of Augustus uh, that he said, I came to Rome and I found it a city of bricks and I left it a city of marble. I made this nation wealthy 
and prosperous in ways that had never been done before. He created a system of taxation because in order to rule this vast empire, you needed money to fund soldiers and in order to fund uh, your expenditures. And so he had this tax system in which he levied taxes from all over the known world. In fact, it says that each person needed to, be, to go to their own hometown to be registered. Why? For two reasons. Taxes and military service. He wanted to know how many men were out there to, to, to field his army and also to supply his wealth. And he created the system of Roman roads, this vast system of Roman roads. In fact, if you go to Italy and Europe today, you can still see several of these roads. And it, it was said at this point in time, all roads lead to Rome. Because these, these people would journey with taxes, they would journey with money, and it says that Caesar, who is calling the shots, created a census to fund his military, to fund his power, but here's what Caesar didn't know. See, when all eyes at this point in time in 4th century BC are on the eyes of Caesar, God's eyes are not on Caesar. In fact, Luke uses Caesar, who is very prominent at this point in time, as just a footnote and part of a bigger story. In fact, this is the only time Caesar is actually mentioned in the gospel. Caesar was the most important person, but he's just a footnote in God's story. And, and Caesar believes that he is moving people around for his own will. But what he doesn't realize is that some 300, 400 years previously, a prophet Micah predicted that the king of the Jews would come and be born in the town of Bethlehem. And so Caesar believes that he is moving people like pawns on his chessboard. But what he doesn't realize is that he is only orchestrating everything that God has already planned. Have you ever played chess? I play with my kids. I play with my son. Sometimes I lose, sadly. Sometimes I win. But there's a great part about chess is that you have control of the board. You move each piece where you want it. You are in total control. And if you're a master, you think 10, 20, 30 moves in advance. God has been writing a story since the beginning of time. And we are not sitting on the side moving the pieces of our life. God is. There's a biblical word for that. It's called sovereignty. Proverbs 21 says this, the king's heart is like streams of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes. Acts 17 says it this way, he made every man and every nation of mankind on the face of the earth, having to determine their allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling that they should seek God, although he's not far from each one of us. Here's what, what Luke is showing with Caesar. He says, Caesar believes that he's in control, but there's actually someone greater who's in control. It's God. He's moving the pieces of their story. And let me tell you, he's moving the pieces of your story. Do you know why you're here this evening? It's not because of a job transfer. It's not because you're here with your family or your friends. You're here because God has sovereignly ordained this moment for you to be in this place for such a time as this. God is in control of your story and that's incredibly important because sometimes we can feel overlooked or pushed aside but not in the mind of God because the camera's gonna switch from the palaces of Rome to an impoverished couple making a journey, a 90 mile trek from Nazareth down to Bethlehem. Read with me in verse 
4, it says this, and Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for him to give birth, for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. C.S. Lewis writes it this way. He says, the whole thing narrows and narrows until at last it comes down to a little point, to a small point of a spear, a Jewish girl and her prayers. Philip Yancey in his, uh, his book, The Jesus I, Ever, I Never Knew, says it this way. Today, as I read the accounts of Jesus' birth, I tremble to think that the fate of the world is resting on the responses of two rural teenagers. And that's the story. Mary was probably 14, 15 years old, a young girl. And she was visited by an angel saying, you are going to give birth to the son of the world. And you have this information. And Joseph marries her. And they were married under, under scandalous circumstances. And so they hear this news from Caesar. We've got to go down to Bethlehem and Mary goes along with Joseph to be registered, probably because she is near birth. And as they're working their way down, the labor pains start coming. Now, I don't know if you've given birth to a child. I have not personally. I have a wife. Uh, and, and let me tell you, it is a terrifying reality to be near birth and, and, and have that expectation coming. I, I remember when our first was born, uh, my daughter Peyton, uh, we, I was in a meeting um, and I get the phone call. My wife had gone to uh, the doctor's appointment and they said, the baby is growth restricted and breech and we are going to a C-section now. And so I was like, Okay, I got in the car, I drove to the hospital, and within an hour, they've got her gowned up, they've got me gowned up, they've got her laid out in this sterile, pristine environment where they're going to deliver this baby. And I'm thinking, I have no idea what I'm doing. Thankfully, there's professionals who look clean that are going to deliver this child, right? That wasn't the situation for Joseph and Mary. They're working their way down, and it's probably more like a, a TikTok video I watched recently. Um, an Uber driver is driving a woman uh, to the hospital because she's about to give birth, and suddenly as he's driving, she says, it's coming, and so you see a young couple in the back, the woman giving birth in the back of the car. They had bleeped out some of the things, which I'm very thankful for, and I'm watching this, and he, he's just telling her, come on, mommy, you can do it, and I'm just like, Uber driver, you're delivering a baby? This is so weird, and I'm going, that's probably probably closer to what it was like in this moment. This young couple who was coming down and it says, they're they looking for a place to stay, but it says there's no room for them in the inn. There's nowhere for them to stay. Why is there nowhere for them to stay? Well, probably because of their scandalous relationship. No one wanted to be near them and give them the open opportunity because it was too questionable to deliver that baby. And, and, and really, the, the reason they're not thinking about this moment is because oftentimes, if it's gonna complicate our life, we wanna remove it for our lives. Philip Keller in his book, uh, Raboni, describes the birth of Mary this way. He says, the sheep corral, filthy as only an Eastern animal enclosure can be, reeked pungently with manure and urine accumulated over the seasons. Joseph cleared a corner just large enough for Mary to lie down. Birth pains, had started. 
She's writhing on the ground. Joseph, in his inexperience and unknowing, unknowing manly, mainly uh, just tries to reassure her. His outer tunic would be her bed. His rough saddle would be her pillow. Mary moaned and groaned in the darkness and Joseph swept away the dust from the dirt, from the small space, one hand hewn mangers of soft limestone rocks that were covered with spider webs and debris falling from the rock ceiling. There at best he could, Joseph arranged the place where Mary could lay for the newborn babe to come. These peasant parents would be the first of multiple millions in the centuries to follow who would be cheered and comforted by the sounds that came from that voice. God has come, God with his people, Emmanuel. See, it wasn't a beautiful, pristine environment. Why did so many people ignore and reject this small couple? For the same reasons that you and I can sometimes ignore and reject Jesus. It's because we're busy. I mean, people are coming and going. There's all these people coming. We're busy. We've got things to do. There's, there's bigger issues that capture our attention, number two. Or we're hosting more important people. Or we don't want to overcomplicate our lives. Who cares about a young couple giving birth? Well, God does. And that's why God focuses our attention on this small couple. And then he goes and tells the most unlikely of people. He tells shepherds. It says in verse eight, and in that same region there were shepherds in the field keeping watch of their flock by night and the angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear and the angel said, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people for unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. God could have gone to the palaces of Caesar to announce the coming of his king. He could have gone to the important places in Jerusalem to announce the coming of this king. Who does God go to? He goes to the shepherds. Shepherds were peasants. In fact, for many shepherds, this was their second or third job. If they couldn't supply money to their family, they would hire themselves out as shepherds to raise money to feed their family. And, and they weren't high on the social ladder. Why does God announce it to these shepherds? Psalm 138.9 says this, though the Lord is exalted, he looks kindly on the lonely. Though lofty, he sees them from afar. Do you ever feel forgotten, overlooked, unimportant? God sees you. And the greatest part of the Christmas story is that God comes to the lowly with his inexpressible gift. That's what Paul will call the birth of Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 9, he says, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. That gift that is perfect, that has been given for you. The gift of Jesus Christ that breaks all barriers of class and social status. The gift that shows you that God is approachable. The gift that offers the invitation to anyone and everyone to come and receive Jesus Christ. I'm gonna give you three thoughts in application as I close. First is this, from the highest to the lowest, 
God's in total control of your life. Number two, if you feel forgotten this evening, God remembers you. Number three, to the overlooked, God comes to you first. Do you know Jesus this evening? Have you come to him? He lived the perfect life we could not. He willingly was born in a, in a hard situation so that you would see he's approachable, he's knowable, and he wants a relationship with you. He won't stay born a baby, he will go to a cross and die. And although he's wrapped in swaddling clothes at the start of his life, at the end of his life, he will be laid in a grave and wrapped in grave clothes. And he, raised, he will raise to walk in newness of life and he says, anyone and everyone who believes in me can have eternal life. Do you know Jesus Christ? The son that was born to die, who willingly died for you. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for this Christmas Eve. Thank you that you stepped out of glory into humanity. You clothed yourself. And Lord, you did not um, live a pristine life in a palace. You lived a normal life so that we could know you, so that we could have a relationship with you, so we could be close to you and know that you are a God who sees us and wants to be close to us. So Lord, I pray for each person here that you would open our hearts and minds, that we would see you afresh this evening. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. As the band comes forward, um, our prayer team is gonna come forward and we're gonna close this afternoon like we close all of our services with a chance for you to respond. What has God stirred within your heart this evening? What peace about Jesus have you never fully believed in? Some of you, Christmas time is uh, going through the motions. Well, it's time to stop just the motions and come for a decision. Do you know this Jesus who was born and came and died for you? Maybe today is the time for you to respond in prayer. Solidify this moment as a time where you put your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Christmas is a great time to receive that gift. For others of you, there's something else that you want prayer for. Maybe there's a loved one suffering or an illness you have been battling and you would love prayer alongside you. Maybe this Christmas season is a hard time for you because um, it's not a, uh, a memory of what's to be opened, but it actually is a reflection of what has been closed. Maybe you've lost a loved one in this season and so we wanna pray for you as well, that you would have the encouragement and the joy that comes from knowing and walking with Jesus Christ. Respond as the Lord leads you. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that you feel encouraged. To stay up to date with our current sermon series, you can subscribe with us wherever you listen to podcasts. If you would like to find more ways to get involved with the Bayou City family, visit us online at bayoucityfellowship.com or download the Bayou City Fellowship Tomball app find community within the body of Christ.